eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the High Hopes Podcast. I hope. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo! It is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. Fritzy, what's going on, buddy? What is that sound? That is, is that my like that is my dog suckling on a blanket right next to me. Um, how dumb is your dog? Why is it sucking on a blanket? Well, she's not sucking. She likes to suckle almost like she, you know, puts it in her mouth and she like kind of like humps it a little bit. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. That's, yeah. I mean, it sounds like she's having a good time over there. Yeah, she seems good. She really would like to be like licking me and have me pay attention to her considering I just got home, but I'm talking to you. So she's got to, she's got to figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I'm supposed to focus on this podcast with a dog whimpering <laughs> in the background, but It'll I guess stop. we'll try to make it work. It won't last that long. Don't worry. Okay. Well, that sounds cool. See, this is what happens. Um, Can you hear it? This is what happens when I try and pull the blanket away from her. Can you hear her? Yeah, it sounds like a, it sounds like a car grating. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Well, she's she's well. feisty right now. I've been out all day. It's 9 o'clock at night. I just got home. She desperately wants me to pay attention to her, and I said, you know, Screw you. I'm going to talk to Jack. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, also, isn't she a little old for, for people to pay attention to her? She's like, 12. Just... 12. That's pretty old. It's very old. So, you know. I guess she does she have the seltzer, uh, does oh, she have the seltzer yeah, gene buddy. of youth? Where, like, yeah. does, it's like you're, you're almost 40 and <laughs> you're still, like, sound like you're 12. Yep. So, it, Seems like your dog fits right in. Oh, it could not be more on brand. She is a ball of energy and intensity, and yeah, but she's awesome. Cool. So, shout out to Millie. What does she think? What does she think about the Phillies? Well, let, how about it, Jack? 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 We actually have baseball, man. Mm-hmm. How good is it? How excited? are you? Uh, oh, it's amazing. So, uh, so Saturday. I listened to the whole game uh, while I was like watch. I watched like the Flyers. I think I don't know. It seems like they're doing pretty well. I've been and I've been digging the Flyers. I'll be honest with you. I've been digging the Flyers. Yeah, it's like I watch the Flyers and I'm kind of I'm happy with how where the Phillies are. Let me just get that out of the way. But I'm also kind of jealous of of the young talent that they have that they've brought up and have developed and and all that stuff. And it seems like they have like legit young stars. Like imagine if we had a Carter Hart. I think oh. I think Bowman. 
I think Bowman Spencer Howard could definitely be our versions of that, but it feels like they're kind of they were built the right way, right way, and the the Phillies were kind of um, stunted in their rebuild and and didn't really do enough. Um, but it's okay, it's okay because Saturday I had the game on. I was listening to the three man booth between Kevin France and Scott Fransky in L.A. Yeah, it, I got like, I heard that it was fun. I thought they did a good job for the three of them. Yeah, and like and. I forget what like Fransky just opened it up in the most vintage Fransky way. Like just hearing him talk again and, and just the joy and it just made everything feel so warm and fuzzy and like, they're going to win a hundred games this year. <laughs> like, like every, like I, every spring training game is like automatically this team's going to win a hundred games. But, um, so Saturday I'm, I sat at home and I was watching the whole game while I was listening to the whole game. Uh, I was, I was hanging on every Pavetta pitch and then, like, Sunday, Sunday, my whole day was just 1 o'clock. I'm going to be in front of a TV. That's all I care about, which, like, to be back at that point makes me very happy. Monday, I caught a little bit of the game, then I came home and rewatched it. And then last night, I mean, James, we had two games to react to. I mean, they were on, they were on <laughs> NBC Sports Philly. Yeah, they were on NBC Sports Philly at 1 o'clock. They were also on the Pirates broadcast, so I was able to watch both of them in the same night, which, like, I don't think it gets much better than that. So, uh, it's been it's been a whirlwind couple of days. I've watched like five games in three days. It's been tremendous. But the Phillies are back, and there's so many dudes on this team. It's just it's crazy. So many dudes. There's so many guys. Like there's so many guys that we can like react to. And there's been there's been a lot of a lot of the minor league guys have been in playing in these games, which is even more exciting. Like Moniac started two games, which I mean. Again, doesn't get anything better than that. So, lots to react to that we will get into this podcast. But it is so, so very nice that the Phillies are back on, uh, the, on our I need streets. it. I need it. Now, I will say, uh, at least from my perspective, and then Jack will completely refute it with his way over the top excitement for spring training baseball. I am a uh, a big believer in spring training means very, very little. I think that you look for things like um, new pitches or um, different stances or things that are, are actual real changes. But in terms of like, if Bryce Harper bats 100 this spring, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to worry. Like I, you know, people work on things. I don't take spring training stats to mean much at all. Uh, but you do look for, for changes. You look for narratives and obviously it does matter for, for position battles and stuff like that. I think the biggest thing to me, and then we'll kind of dive in and let you just do your dude thing, um, and just go nuts. But for me, the biggest thing, which has been a, a surprise, and I think it's pretty clear going into, you know, the off season, the whole off season, you and I really felt like it was going to be Segura at second base and Kingery at third. It is clearly the opposite of that. It looks like Kingery is going to be the starting second baseman. Segura is going to be the starting third baseman. Um, how do you feel about that? You think that's the right move? It's fine. Uh, I get what I what I do like about this coaching staff, and what I like about what I've heard from the players is that they're they're trying to go to the player's strength and not and not force them to do things they're not comfortable with. They're trying to get they're they're trying to find roles. They're trying to have people know where they're going to be on a day to day basis. Um, they're trying to get these guys in set positions. Um, so like I. I think that it um like I just think that it's gonna come a point where Bohm's gonna be ready to come up, he should be at third base, Segura then goes to second base, and Kingery's gonna be in center field. I still think that's going to be the best lineup come May. But 
ultimately they have to ask themselves what is going to get the best version out of Scott Kingery. And if you read the the column this week from Salisbury, just talking about how he was he was drained before the game even started because he didn't know if he was going to play third, second, short, uh, center field, and he was trying to get reps at all of them um, just to make sure that he was ready to go. Like you have to. If that's if that's draining the best version of Scott Kingery, and I think that there is a ton of value in Scott Kingery playing all over the place. I think that's been part of his value. Yeah, we've but talked it, about that. I agree. Right, and like I I think that is very very valuable that he's done that. But I also care about getting the best version out of a guy, and if getting the best version out of a guy means Scott Kingery just plays second base, I'm fine with it. Uh, but I do think Segura is more of a natural second baseman. Although, um, like, if you watch the first game on Sunday, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a disaster. But from everything I've heard and seen and, and from that point on, he seems like he's getting more and more comfortable at third base. Um, so, and that was always going to happen. I mean, a, short, a guy that's played shortstop for as long as he has, like, he'll be able to figure out third base. I wasn't, like, freaking out about it. Um, but it's, 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 it's kind of it's, – it's nice to see – that they are prioritizing what these guys do well, where they feel comfortable, and and getting back to kind of a comfort zone for these guys. So I'm cool with it. I I still think eventually the best lineup will be when all three of them are in there. Um, but for right now, I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah, I'm with you. And again, like you know, back to to one of my core beliefs is a, a obvious thing, but athletes are humans, and if Scott Kingery is just way more comfortable doing that, then that's something you have to take into your equation. Like it's, it's part of the, the, you know, what, who he is. And, and if you're going to get a better version of him from that. So, um, I, I totally agree, but I, I do also agree that ultimately when bomb comes up, when he's ready to go, clearly having him in the lineup, that bat in line is going to matter. And I think the obvious natural move would be to move King to center field. Uh, Hazley banged up right now anyway, but obviously doesn't look like a long-term type of thing with the face into center field, uh, face into the wall and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I'm sure that that won't be a lingering thing. Um, all right, so what else has stood out to you? You've, you've been watching the games. You've been taking in all the dudes and all that stuff. Where do you kind of come down? Um. There's a there's a lot of interesting things. Uh, it's out, it's almost kind of nice that that Kingery. So Kingery hasn't really hit the ball well. I mean, he hit the ball pretty well yesterday in in, in Pittsburgh, but he looks like he's kind of just coming along. And it's kind of refreshing that he's not letting up spring training, so that we don't have to be like, oh my god, like remember two years ago when it was get Scott Kingery up here immediately, and because he's just hitting the cover off the ball. I kind of like where I'm at with Scott Kingery. Like I I'm I'm happy with him not exactly. Like he's just playing fine. Um, although I will say the the double play combination of him and Didi is going to be pretty nut- dynamic. I mean, Kingery does have a have a cannon, and Didi. I watch Didi right now, and it, it's it's very reminiscent to what it was like with Rollins. I mean, every he makes all the routine plays. He actually has range. I guess I just never fully realized last year. Like, dude, Segura could not get to a ball at this. <laughs> To save his life. Like, the like Didi's going into the hole, and it's like, oh, my God, that's how the position's played. Um, I guess I just re- – my through the first couple of games, one of my main takeaways is that I freaking love Didi. Uh, just seeing him play shortstop, every throw is right on the money. He's got a rocket. He, he can get the balls all over the, all over the hole. Um, like, he's just super, super impressive. It's like – 
you almost took for granted watching the shortstop position the last couple of years when it was Kingery who eventually kind of figured it out and and Segura last year like watching Didi it's like watching what Rollins used to be like uh not hitting that well but I think that'll come back come with timing and whatnot but man I love watching Didi Gregorius play baseball yeah I'm so with you and then something we talked about we talked about how effortless he is at the position and how Nice it's going to be to have someone there who you just can count on to be a, a above-average shortstop a, a, at a position where it's so meaningful to have someone who could do that, especially coming off the last two years with Segura and Kingery playing there and all that. And, and It's just nice to have a guy you can just stick there and say, all right, he's going to be awesome at this. Um, again, I'm not worried about the bat at all. Again, spring training, I, I Someone has to really look lost at the plate in spring training for me to to worry about them, especially a veteran, especially someone who, um, you know, has such a track record of of success offensively. Like I, I'm not at all worried about the bat, and I, I, I'm so with you, man. I, I think it's something that that it's going to be so refreshing for Phillies fans to have balls hit towards their base uh, towards shortstop and just say, all right, he's got it. Like I don't have to worry. I don't have to, is he going to boot it? Is he not going to get to it? All this type of stuff. Um, I- I'm really with you there. And, and look, I-, I do think the point you made before about Kingery and, and Didia, it could be the best defensive middle infield they've had in a while for, for at least for, you know, until, until Kingery moves to center field when bomb comes up or whatever. Um, it's going to be exciting to feel again. This has not been the last couple years since they've been back to, relevance in this city um they've not been a good defensive team at any point ever and uh being strong at those two spots especially at shortstop really does go a long way you look at with Romuto you look at having uh Didi at shortstop I mean all of a sudden you know they're not gonna be one of the best defensive teams in baseball but all of a sudden they could be a a competent defensive team and that's something we haven't seen here in a while Oh, what you, you're talking about the team two years ago that was the worst defensive oh, team I've man. ever seen. Oh, Remember those days? God, dude, the oh, worst. so so awful, just truly awful baseball. But they have, they actually have the 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 ability to be a pretty dynamic defense. I mean, you're putting a, you're putting a guy in Segura who I mean he could play shortstop last year. He's a probably better second baseman. You're putting him at third base, and then you're getting Kingery and. If you talk to Larry Boa, hear Larry Boa talk, hear, hear, hear these minor league coaches that watch him play second base every day, they all say the same thing. They all say that guy's a gold glove second baseman. Um, and I can't believe he's actually going to be playing second base this year. Like, it's weird. It's weird seeing Scott Kingery actually playing second base. Yeah, Boa's been – Boa's said that really since Kingery came up. Like, they, he's talked about this for a while as, as Kingery being a – potentially elite second baseman yeah yeah i mean and and just in in hearing his old minor league coaches talk like they all say the same thing like that dude is a gold glove caliber second baseman so it's gonna be exciting seeing that um that kind of develop um and given that we've seen him play pretty much everywhere else besides second base it's gonna be just (laughs) it is wild right i mean that's his position his whole life or at least the vast majority certainly his professional career he's been a second baseman and it's the position we've seen him play the least we've seen him a ton at third at short center field all all that stuff but um it's gonna be neat to see the guy play second base yeah and and you know, when he's coming up and we, we were getting excited about the future of Scott Kearney, it's like, oh, this is going to be our version of, of Chase Utley. And now he's here and he's playing second base and he has the same tan glove. Um, and I just, 
Listen, uh, he's, he's awesome. twice the size of Utley from a a muscles perspective now, oh, though. Totally, funny. <laughs> totally yoked, but um, like I just I I. I a year ago, if you told me he's just, just pigeonhole him, pigeonhole him in as a second baseman, I would have said that's stupid. But you know, I've 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 learned to grow and develop and and take outside opinion. And I am I I want to see what a full year of Scott Kingery at second base will do. There are people that are just so they just believe wholeheartedly that he's going to hit 300 just moving to second base. I don't think that's the case. But if it if it makes him the best version of Scott Kingery, I'm all in. So, um, Didi Kingery, uh, those two guys just on the defensive end have been a revelation. I feel like let's 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 almost just go around the diamond because there's, there's takes that we can have on every single player. Um, so like Hoskins, he looks like he's still definitely adjusting to the new stance. He hasn't really hit a ball hard. Um, he's still missing. He's still missing fastballs that are middle middle or uh, middle away, which isn't a great sign. Now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna freak out about that because he's obviously working on the new mechanics and the new swing changes, and it's gonna take a while changing from something you've done your whole life to something different. That's just gonna take a while. Um, it's, you have to learn muscle memory. He has to play a lot. So if it's this this way, I would say four four or five weeks into spring training, I'll start really really worrying about Reese Hoskins, but just the early returns is that it doesn't seem like he's super comfortable with the new swing. Yeah, that that's the impression I've gotten too. And and again, I think that is understandable. Uh, it is, it's not a, it's not just a new stance. It is a completely new stance. It is so different from what he was doing before. So it is understandable the first time facing real pitchers in live type situations that it would take him some time to adjust. But, um, you know, obviously, I think you have to be – when you talk about not worrying about spring training, like I said before, that doesn't extend to guys who have new things they're doing or kind of changing approaches or whatever. And, and Hoskins obviously falling into that category. And, of course, coming off, you know, he was one of the worst players in baseball over the second half. Andrew Knapp was better. There were multiple pitchers who were better hitters in the second half last year than Reese Hoskins. So um, well, I think I mean, that – I hate I hate when you – I hate that stat. But it's true. Like, what are you do? If I know are, it's small sample sizes. I agree. I know if they had as many at bats and all that stuff. But like, Thank it, you. I, 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 I get it. But to be fair, he was an abomination. I the second know half. he was an abomination. So, but you can't say that. That I know. Knapp I know. Was a better hit. I know. It's a small sample size. Listen, I, James. James, we can't. We don't. We don't cross the nap line often. Okay. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Look, you're the one who usually gives him a compliment, and I get mad about it. I'm definitely not trying to make any Listen, positive statements about Andrew Nap. But we don't look, cross the nap line. No, no, we don't. I, again, I, I, I'll take anybody, anybody over Andrew Nap. But I, except for Christian Bethencourt, I'm, I'll I'm take, not in. I would take him. I don't care. Um, but regardless, I, I think the, the point being that, that with Hoskins, like you said, I'm willing to give him time to figure this out, but it is concerning and you hope that you see progress over the next few weeks, because that is something if we get to, you know, mid to late March and, and he's still struggling, then I, I do think that is something you worry about. All right, let's keep going around the diamond. We've already talked Kingery and Didi Segura so far. Uh, I think so good. Obviously, um, coming in. Well, Best shape I mean, of his life, Jack. Yeah, no more whiskey. He's down. Hey. He's now. He's now Jin Segura. Um, <laughs> oh, and 
he uh he's I think he's batting like four twenty nine so far. Like he he is squaring up the baseball now. Gene Segura is a is a natural hitter. He's Did just you just quote like a, a, a eight at bat stat or something like that to me? Say he's batting four twenty nine in like three games or whatever. Come on, don't don't care. <laughs> don't I have never cared, and I'll not start caring now. But um, like Gene Segura is such a natural hitter that I would I would assume he'd be able to you know clean up against the guys that are pitching right now. Um, like he's a he's a he's an elite bat to ball guy. So. Um, I'm not surprised he's doing well. He's always he's always hit everywhere he's gone. He's never not hit. Um, so it's nice he's gone off to a nice start, uh, and it looks like he is thinner. And, and from what I heard today, his defense at third base got really really good. So um, that w- that should have happened as time goes on. Now the other third baseman that I have just fallen head over heels for James is Josh Harrison. I need Josh Harrison on this team. I need you are him all in on Josh Harrison. Oh, I love Josh Harrison, man. That guy is that guy is a fun baseball player. Like, yeah, if we're he just about- needs to stay healthy. If he stays healthy, I, I do think he is a look. He can play a bunch of positions. He has had success in the major leagues, legitimate success. He's made an All Star team before. Like there is upside there, but you know, it, he looks healthy. I mean. All things considered, he looks healthy right now. He hit a ball hard a couple, a couple days ago. He brings. <laughs> he, he hit a ball hard. He smoked the ball at the middle, but he, like he plays second base, he plays third base. He gives you positional versatility. And if we're talking about creating a clubhouse culture, I mean, does it get any better than Josh Harrison, Andrew McCutcheon, Didi, <laughs> Bryce Harper, JT Real, Mito, Reese Hoskins? Like, like these are clubhouse. Dudes, like if we're talking about building a a, a a team for a 162 game grind, I think having a Josh Harris on this team is incredibly important. Even though he's not the player that he was a couple of years ago, like there's a there's a legit guy off the bench that has been a 300 hitter in this league that is only 31 years old, had a bum hamstring last year. That hamstring has been healed up by this Phillies new medical staff, and I'm all in, man. Like there there is a I. I don't. I'm not gonna go too far. I almost. Well, went too I think far. you. I think you might have already. But go ahead. Might have went too far. I'm not gonna <laughs> go as far. I'm not gonna go as far to say that if, if Segura starts slow, then Josh Harrison can slide in. Yeah. But no, don't do that. I need Josh Harrison on this team. I just need him. I, I need th- him. He's I so think, fun. Look, if he stays healthy through spring training, I think he probably does make the team. I like him, and I look. I actually I liked those depth guys they brought in. I mean. I like Josh Harrison better than Logan Forsythe, but Logan Forsythe is the same type of guy, somebody who can come in and, and hit left-handed pitching and, and give you something. I think Harrison a better bet to make the team. But, um, look, they're going to need those guys. They're going to need that type of depth. They're going to need players who can give you – and I think the key, like you said, positional versatility that Harrison could do that. It's all about him being healthy. Again, if he's healthy, he is a major league player. So Yeah, um, and like – Forsyth, Forsyth looked pretty good. I mean, for spring training, I, like I've, always, I've always been a Logan Forsyth fan for what he does. He's a a guy who who you know what he can give you. He's a fine second baseman. You know, I don't know if he could do much else than that, but you know, maybe some outfield, whatever. But he's gonna hit left-handed pitching. He's always at left-handed pitching. I, I like guys where if you're talking about bench guys, I like guys who you who can give you something you can count on. And I feel like he's always been that type of guy that you can at least count on that. Yeah, he's poor man's Ben Zobrist. Oh, well, way poor man. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> way <laughs> poor man. 
Well, I mean, like, that's what people thought he was going to be. I mean, he was in, in Tampa, uh, sure. and then he went to L.A., and I thought he was going to yeah. break out. I remember I drafted him in fantasy, like, way too much. Oh, high I've definitely owned him on fantasy teams yeah. before. For, for sure. For sure. All right, uh, before we get to the outfield, real quick, not much to say, obviously, about Romito, but really quickly, last time we talked about um, it was prior to the arbitration thing. He loses the arbitration hearing. We felt pretty confident about a long-term deal. I, I still do, but... Not the best quotes coming from him, you know. Are you are you at all worried? More worried, at least, than the last uh, time we talked. Uh, no, not really. Like I, okay. I, I think I think the quotes were kind of taken out of context. Uh, because I think Real Muto is pretty stoic, and uh, I, I, I just I don't think this this process really affected him. Um, so it, 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 I would again like opening day or a little bit after opening day. I think that's when was, when is always going to go down. Um. But again, you know, if they didn't care about the luxury tax, this would have been done by now. But. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Still believe in John I'll, Middleton, do you? Also, like, I guess, well, I guess they just have to backload it, which is whatever. But, like, luxury tax is calculated at the end of the year. So you're going to have, like, you're going to go over it. Yeah. It's just, again, all we ever want is a smart team, and it's, really hard to say they're a smart team that's the thing is i feel so confident about the field level about girardi about price about dylan about the culture they've created about the guys there who like you talked about it is there's so much like feels like it's just going to be a team of good dudes who who buy in and all that type of stuff who want to win and all that but like i just feel so little confidence in everyone above that like every single guy you know and that, that's not including the driveline guys and we'll get to that coming up because philly's mm. made a smart hire we'll get there but um i do think that you know when it comes to to clentac mcphail middleton to that trio who are sadly probably the three most important at least two of the three most important when you talk about middleton and clentac who knows you know what mcphail does other than make us mad um, but I mean, those are the most important people in the organization and that's, you know, frustrating, worrisome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, most likely this is the last year of McPhail and Klintak, I well, would say. Yeah. I mean, unless they, they do great and, and the team does great and overachieves cause Joe Girardi kills it and saves their jobs. That's, it's one of the, it's okay. Look, I want them to win. I want to make the playoffs. I don't care. I'll, I'll deal with the other stuff later, but that is like the worry that that they do well enough that that Klintak's able to skate by, and that that's it's nerve wracking. Yes, but the main point is that like you're gonna go over the luxury tax this year, so there's not another penalty until way down the road. Uh, it's just a matter of you not wanting to spend the money, but whatever. Like I just don't understand what they get unless they give real muto. Like I guess they could just yeah they'll just keep the ten million and then they'll bump it to like. 30 next year or and then and then go to like 25 but i don't know like they're gonna have to get tricky with it just to stay under the luxury tax this year which is like ridiculous but well it, that's the point is it's just it's so silly like and especially look it'd be one thing if you weren't just the philadelphia phillies and again like we've talked about the dodgers went over for what like 15 years in a row like i the problem that makes it so much more frustrating is that John Middleton has to go off and spout his mouth off about wanting to be a big boy and the you know Yankees of the South and all the crap he said and bring the effing trophy back and all that. It's like, just stop saying that crap if you're going to be this. You know, like, it, it just, it makes us more mad. If he never said any of that stuff, we would be annoyed, but 
not as annoyed. It's because you front like you're something you're not. Like that's the problem. But yeah, let's get back. Yeah, to and it. he made and he made me believe. You know, it, it hurts. Uh, yeah, he got you. you know, he got you. Well, I just, I just, I just like he, he talks all this. You know, <laughs> Jackie O, man, Jackie O is always willing to 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 buy in. You're ready. Listen, no one talks himself into anything quicker <laughs> I than know. I do. And I know it's so it true. Just, I I just hate being duped again. Yeah, well, next time listen to your buddy here. I, I had your back. I was trying to tell you the whole time. Nah, well, you know. nevertheless. <laughs> I mean, Jack, as you always say, I'm old. I got a lot of life experience. I've been through these things. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get to the outfield. McCutcheon, um, what what are you thinking? Are you worried at all about him being ready to start the season? Obviously, it seemed like he was totally fine and then a little tweak and seems like he's okay. Where do you kind of stand with McCutcheon right now? I don't think he starts an opening day. Ah, I just That's a bummer. Just like everything that, that I've been reading, hearing, is that like the bat's looking slow. Looks like he's still kind of shaking off the rust. Now, that he could turn it on quickly and, and be good to go. It's just that like if, if you're the Phillies, man, McCutcheon, just just let him come back when he's ready to go. He's older now. You don't need to rush him back. Uh, obviously, every game matters this year more than most years, uh, given how good the NF- or how good the NL East is. But I also don't want to rush him back, and he's not the same player that we had last year. And sure, I mean we saw the numbers when he went down, and uh, he's obviously a, a great leadoff guy and all that stuff. I just don't want to rush him back. Um, and just from everything I've heard, it seems like he's a little bit rusty right now. The bat speed's not totally there. He's not fully trusting that knee yet. So the plan is for him to be opening day, but I am not sure he's going to be uh, on the – I don't know if he's going to start opening day. Yeah, it's the impression I get too. And and I, look, ultimately, like you said, even though every game matters, um, better safe than star- sorry with McCutcheon. But it is – for and look, it is quick. I mean, it's it's – it generally, and I know we know ACLs mostly from from football injuries more than than baseball injuries, but it, it generally feels like the kind of thing that a 31 year old at the time like that it should take a year for him to kind of be back from, and and a year would be May. So um, I don't think it's surprising, but it is a little disheartening. You hope that he can kind of get back on track and get at least enough work in in the spring, where when he comes back, whether it's a week or two or three into the season, that that he can come back and hit the ground running. Um, literally and figuratively, I guess. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, and again, I, I trust McCutcheon as a veteran, as someone who's, you know, been in the league a long time, knows his body, had the ACL tear when he was younger, as someone who can kind of know his body, know what he needs to do to get there, and, and someone who can kind of fall back into the this, this swing of things pretty quickly. But I, I'm with you. If I had to bet on him starting opening day, I would not. I, I would bet against it, but. Um, yeah, which, it, which thinks, but what can you do? What can he do? As long as they can get him back for for you know May forward at full go and and be a full contributor, that's fine. Um, center field, Hazley uh, obviously bangs his head, concussion protocol, all that stuff. I guess that's not pro- protocol, whatever it's called, but potential concussion. He in, yeah, he's in the blue tent. He's in the blue tent. Uh, face yeah, laceration, sure. all that stuff. Um, you look not, like I thought. I thought he was Aaron Rowan. Honestly, I thought it was a little <laughs> Rowan moment. Well, that was that was uh, the the going joke that we saw. Uh, for many people on Twitter, and look, I um, I don't think this is a a long term thing or whatever. But where are you at with Hazley? Assuming it does look like he's going, if healthy and and gets back on the 
the presumptive, especially if McCutcheon's out, but the presumptive starting center fielder, at least until Baum comes up, like we talked about, and kind of changes things. Where are you at with Hazley right now? Yeah, Hazley's been a guy that I've had my – I've been really trying to hone in on every at-bat he had had um, at that point because I don't know if you noticed this, but he, he definitely changed his, his swing around a little bit, and uh, that was not something I – was anticipating because he had never really changed it around um, from UVA to through the minor leagues. And, and this is the first time I ever really noticed a, a new kind of swing change from uh, from him. So it looked like he kind of lowered his hands a little bit. Looks like he's trying – like people get so worked up about the launch angle thing and, and whatnot. Like it is important to be able to lift the ball um, and not be and go from a ten to fifteen home run guy to a fifteen to twenty home run guy. Like that's the next level of Adam Hainsley. He's always been a really good um, bat to ball guy, but it just seems like with this new swing, like I think his hands were getting a little bit high last year. Seems like with this this new swing, he's, like he got beat a lot last year on fastballs up because that was the the major hole in his swing last year was fastballs up. Um, and now he's lowered his hands a little bit. It seems like he's doing a better job getting to those balls. Um, so I don't know if that's an Ochar thing, but it, it, it does seem like that they worked on that with him, which has been super intriguing. He smoked a double um, before he got hurt on Monday. Uh, he, he absolutely roped a double, which is good to see. It's one of those – and honestly – I've always thought Hazley kind of sw- had a similar swing to Utley. I don't think he's obviously the same player, but it was like that classic Utley double into like the right around the 409 sign that he would turn into a triple. Um, and that was, that was, that was, that was cool to see. But the center field job is actually pretty interesting because uh, it seems like, it seems like Girardi is really, really intrigued with Roman Quinn. Um, and I haven't been a total Roman Quinn believer, but there's a useful player in there. Like there's a guy that, yeah, we've always said that. We've always there's a useful player there. Yeah, and I I wouldn't be surprised if on opening day the the opening day lineup has Quinn in center field and Hazley in left. Um, and then as the season goes on, if you're if you if you can have Roman Quinn be like an eighth ninth inning guy, then come in and steal a base. Uh, also play pretty good defense. He doesn't take the best routes, but like he closes in. He's fa- he's fat. Yeah, he's fast enough to make up for that. Again, at, like we've talked about this a lot. He's a switch hitter. I, I there's a lot to like about Roman Quinn as a 24th, 25th guy in your roster. Like a, a lot to like. It's just, you know, I just don't think he's going to stay healthy. Why would I? Why would I at any does, point believe that he's going to stay healthy? Like why? Does why would Roman I ever Quinn believe have, it? Does, does Roman Quinn have injury history? I mean, glass. He is made of glass. So it's, uh, you know, I'm with you. I think Roman Quinn is a useful player, certainly a really nice bench player. But, you know, I, I'll, 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 I'd love to have him until he gets hurt. It's my philosophy. Well, that's the biggest upset of, of spring so far is that Hazley got hurt before him. <laughs> yeah, well, don't, don't hold your breath. All right, uh, Harper. Oh, I mean, I'm just so happy. I think I, he, I honestly, I I really think that when you look at the board of MVP bets and obviously based on odds and all that stuff, I think Harper at around last I looked plus 1200 is the best bet to win the NL MVP. Like just in terms of a pure bet, like those are great odds. He's entering his age 27 season. I'm expecting a monster year from Bryce Harper. A monster year. And I, you just look at him, and he looks so relaxed. The hair, I the mean, hair, the flow, baby. How about the flow, I, Jack? I love that he's trying to channel his inner Jason Worth. 
Um, but like he looks he looks so relaxed. He looks so happy. I feel like he's just in this state where like crew is there. He loves crew. He can just kind of he can kind of just live as Bryce Harper. Like he doesn't have to have this huge spotlight of everyone's following every move he does. He doesn't have to do all this stuff. He doesn't have to come to spring training with all this fanfare. He can kind of just hang out and go play baseball. And the thing I love the most is that he's already committed to the toe tapping thing. I know because Bryce is a legendary tinkerer that he'll he'll end up changing it. But I like that that's where his head is already at. Like even the sack fly yesterday, he he just missed that ball. It, it he mishit it. It got to the wall in left field. Like it's just it's just stupid power. Um and. There's a there was this th- uh like coll- not collage. There's like four pictures on Instagram yesterday of him and Real Muto, and they're smiling and looking like best friends. And I need them to lock up Real Muto because I don't want Bryce to be sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I need Bryce to be happy forever. Uh, every time I see him, I'm like, God, I love that Bryce Harper's a Philly, um, and I love that that all everything we went through last year was worth it. Um, he is he is real. He is here, and like. Almost you forget that Bryce Harper's on the Phillies until you see him, and then you just get happy again. Every time I see him, I just get refilled with joy. I love yeah, Bryce Harper. Me too. I man. love Bryce, and I and think I think I think I think forty. I'm going forty. I'm going forty-one thirty this year. Yeah. Again, I I am betting on him to win the NL MVP. That's how bullish I am on Harper. He was awesome the second half, and also uh, forgetting how awesome he was offensively. I mean, we saw the best ever version of Bryce Harper defensively in his career he was a superstar defensively he w- he plays with such effort and fire and passion it's it's so Philly it hurts like it hurts oh, it's so, so Philly. Like, he's, he is the most Philly guy of all time and I just think you know again to harken back to what I said before the athletes is human things which I talked about a lot last year with Harper too is that he had a lot going on last year. He had signed this monster contract, moving to a new place. His wife was pregnant. Like, there were so many reasons to expect him to struggle. He got comfortable. He settled in, and he became Bryce Harper, the Bryce Harper we expected new. And now he can just come into this season, that guy, in his physical prime at the age of 27. I just, like, if I could bet on one thing this season on the Phillies, just one thing to no matter what go right, it's Bryce Harper. I, I just feel so incredibly confident that he is going to be one of the 10 best players in baseball this year. And and potentially, like I said, I think a, a real chance to be the National League MVP. I think he's going to have that type of season. I think he's going to hit over 40 homers. I think he's going to bat a lot closer to 300 than he did last year. And I just think he's going to be a beast. And I think we're going to see that same effort, that same fire. Um I'm I'm really excited about Harper. All right, uh, pitching. Uh, just go down the line. Uh, obviously, you know Nola Wheeler. I know oh. Wheeler said the little injury thing, but like, like really the the deeper cuts. Uh, talk to us about Pavetta, Velasquez, All right. Arietta. Like, give so, me, give me, give me the Jack Fritz breakdown on these guys, and and kind of let me know where you're at. All right, so let's start with the Pavetta spin from Saturday. You're gonna start with Pavetta? Uh, what? Really? I could have never seen. Really. Pavetta. I mean, listen, of all of them, you're you Pavetta first. <laughs> you're lucky. Ch- you're lucky. It's I'm- fair. We're, we're we're 39 minutes into 38 minutes of this podcast, and you're just talking about Pavetta. That's kind of ridiculous, to be fair. Yeah, well, because all right, because I was being cyber bullied again on Saturday by people who clearly <laughs> who clearly weren't listening to the game. Like, cyber like bullied. if you 
if you if you listen to the game, he wasn't even getting hit hard. Is, is like, there I anything? Mean, is there anything that's more of a lock than Jack Fritz getting hate tweets when Nick Pravetta struggles? It's like, it's the lockiest lock of all locks. I hate it. I I I absolutely <laughs> absolutely. For those who might not know, a little inside baseball, Jack, not a fan of 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 the hate. You know, he can handle it. Because he's a big boy and, you know, he has a job where you have to be able to handle it. But, like, Jack takes it a lot more personally than, say, I don't know, I do or others do. Like, it does get to Jack. When If you're ever firing off a mean tweet at Jack, just know that, like, it'll it'll get to him. At least on some level, he will feel it. Like, you can tell me you hate me and I'm the worst person ever and I have a horrible voice and whatever. Like, honestly, I'm probably never even going to see it. But if I do, I'm definitely not going to care. Jack will care. Is that fair? Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I care. I, I care. Know, I know. And like, this is how this is how big of a person I am. Uh, I have had written out, I don't know, 200 times. I know more about baseball. Than <laughs> and this is this is me being a bigger person. I've never pressed send. Good for you, buddy. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna happen at some point. It's gonna happen, but I'm yeah, proud you, I'm proud you've held off. This yeah, it, it will, and I don't, I don't like, I don't like pulling the. I know more about baseball than you because, like, no one really knows that. Like, everyone knows what, like, everyone knows baseball, right? And also, it's like such an a hole move. Yeah, it's like, like the, it's like the Doug Peterson. Oh, did you play football? Didn't think so. Yeah. Right, not cool. Yeah. But like, here's what always makes me so mad. It's like. It's clear the Pavetta thing's a bit. It's also clear that he has talent. And I invest a lot into knowing as much as possible about baseball. So, like, can we just relax on the Pavetta thing? Like, it just, it, it, it's just a PSA. Like, can we just maybe maybe we'll figure it out this year let's let's just let him figure it out and not get so <laughs> mad all the time like we, cer- can, we can do all certainly that certainly you can get mad at pavetta like don't get as mad at jack all right like so you again know. as i said like a thousand times last year i'm not the one who banked on him being their number two yeah. like so it's actually it's actually a great point uh but he did throw seven change-ups on saturday which is very encouraging. Apparently, a couple of them were nasty. Um, and yes, Pavetta got bled to death on Saturday. I mean, it was just bleeders all over the place. Um, it, was it was it great that he allowed three runs? No, but from everything that I read and, and even from Girardi and hearing was that like he pitched well and the stuff looked good. He was up to ninety six on the gun. He threw a couple change ups. Uh, curveball had some bite. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't the most encouraging first start but like the fact that he threw seven change-ups and he feels like he's getting a little bit more comfortable with that i mean that's pretty massive that's pretty massive so um yeah good good first start velasquez i thought he looks pretty good um the 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 i actually thought his curveball had more bite i did see him start to knuckle it up a little bit which is cool um but apparently the change-up back too huh everyone's working on the changeup i mean that's the brian price staple is is working on the changeup um so like yeah velasquez was, was velasquez he kind of did his thing efficient was, was 20, efficient jack how about 20, it 26 pitches in two innings i don't know like 
Uh, do, am I going to buy into these guys? No, but I, do I think that Brian Price is going to get the most out of them? I, I do believe that. Um, and I think that this, this fifth starter competition, getting them out there as early as they as they are, it, is pretty massive. So it seems like they're kind of getting the most out of those guys. Nola, I thought Nola looked phenomenal. Um, he looked like... He looked like back how it kind of was in, in 2018. It was a lot of fastballs down, a lot of ground balls. Um, he already had – he was already spotting up early, which, which is huge. But just the fact that he was pitching down in the zone, doing what he felt comfortable with doing, um, and, and uh, uh, you know, the curveball was already spotting up. So that, that was cool. But the one thing that I heard about Nola, or I think Larry Anderson mentioned this on the, on the broadcast – was Nola might be messing around with a cutter, which would would be fascinating, because if I look at his arm angle, it doesn't exactly scream cutter, because he comes from it from the side and he's not really on top of the ball, because um, he try he gets a two seam spin because of where he releases it, he kind of releases it to the side and lets it run. If you want to throw a good cutter, you kind of got to be on top of the ball and got to be around the ball. So it'd be kind of weird from his arm angle, but still the idea if he can. If he can tunnel a two-seamer with the run that he has with a cutter and start it at the same spot and let a cutter go away and and or like away to a righty and in or away to a righty into a lefty, that would be like talk about a perfect sequence because then you have those two pitches with the curveball with the changeup, like that's that would just be sick. I don't know if it's gonna work. I don't know if it works with his arm angle, but. If he can have something that moves the other way, that comes out the same speed, same arm angle as a as a fa- as his two seam fastball, I mean we're 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 talking about getting back to Cy Young Cy Young Nola. So I I I need to see that unleashed in a game. Yeah, and also like uh, it's very clear from Aaron Nola has not made it uh, has not I mean any attempt to hide how much happier is having Brian Price here. At the oh my god! I mean yeah. it is pointed it is purposeful he has made it very clear and cool i'm totally good with that and and on a on a macro note just just to kind of what we're talking about there is like as we've said many times i think dd wheeler are really nice additions the biggest thing this team did was the girardi price dylan like bringing girardi in like bringing the staff in like that is going to be the difference, biggest difference maker. Like it just is. It's going to make a big difference for this team, for that clubhouse, for the culture, and all that. Um, all right. Um, any other pitchers that stand out? And and we will quickly note that um, <laughs> I'm really sorry about Robert Stock, buddy. It's a it's uh, a bummer. Uh, he'll, uh, he'll be fine. Oh really? Oh really? Are we going to get back into this? When when remember? Should I recall you to David Robertson when he had a forearm strain? And I was like, ah, this is bad. You're like, yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Let's stop, it's stop, a forearm stop. strain, Jack. Stop. He'll be all right. What do we um, want to set? The, what what should we set the over under at at innings for the season? A half inning? Because sadly, I would take the under. Well, here's the thing: is that I've already moved on from Robert Stock to Ramon <laughs> Rosso. <laughs> nice, good. Well done. Um, here's here's. Let me just get this out there now. I'm preemptively getting frustrated with what the Phillies are going to do on opening day when they bring up all the old guys who definitely aren't good anymore and keep these just monsters down in, in AAA that could – that like, here's what's going to happen. The first month of the season is going to happen, and we're all going to freak out about the bullpen, how these old guys that, that don't have any options left are going to be in the bullpen. And then as soon as, like, 
Ramon Rosso and Damon Jones get up here, it's gonna be like that, and they fix the whole bullpen. Everything's gonna make way more sense. We're gonna be like, why? Why did we even waste the first half of the season? But what's gonna happen is they're gonna bring up the old guys because they have no options left, and they're just gonna let them kind of fail. And then once they fail, they'll bring up the kids, and they're gonna just figure this out. So, James, did you watch Ramon Rosso on Monday? No, I missed it. You missed it. I missed it. The the future of the Phillies. <laughs> oh man, I mean that guy is sick. Like I mean, he threw this he threw this backdoor slider that was or it wasn't a backdoor slider. It was a it was a back foot slider. This this lefty it was just disgusting. Like it, it felt like I was watching Sir Anthony from 2018. Um, and honestly, if I had to put a comp on it, he reminded me a lot of of Pedro Suero, who was pretty bad for the first half for the nationals and then really, really became a lockdown guy. But if, if I had main takeaways from first couple of games out of the bullpen, I mean like Ramon Rosso is going to be a beast. And I, I just, I, I can't wait for him. Like I'm already in love. I, I can't wait for him to get up here. Like I thought, he, I, I thought he was smaller and was going to be a starter, but that guy should just be a bullpen piece and come up here and be just a, be just a lockdown guy. Um, other pitchers that uh, stood up to me, I was impressed with Austin Davis. I'm sorry, James. I, what? I know. What? I I loathe Austin Davis. I was just trying to say it's like me saying I was impressed with Andrew Knapp. Like a, I know. A kid. But but he, I was yeah. not impressed with Andrew Knapp. I was just saying it would be like me saying that to clarify. Well, Andrew Knapp has a rib cage injury. Rib cage injury is not even playing anyway. So. Well, there you go. You've clearly been missing some Andrew Knapp experiences, but Austin Davis like added a little bit of velo. It looked like a little bit of a jump, and he actually had a bit of a wipeout slider. So um, I don't know if he's gonna, you know, obviously do anything. But I did not walk away from an Austin Davis experience hating myself. So it's a miracle. I think to be I think thing. that's I, I think that's a big step forward for yeah. for me and Austin Davis to get our relationship back on uh, back on solid ground. Uh, and the final thing is that. Well, no, I have, I have two things on, on some bullpen guys that stood out to me. Uh, three things. Uh, well, no, nah, the one's not that important. <laughs> a, a, uh, a million things. Yeah. Uh, Damon Jones. Damon Jones is going to be a, I'll say, I'll say middlemans. I'll say middlemans at least Andrew Miller for this team. Like, <laughs> buddy. I'm ready. I'm ready to cut out the starting stuff. I'm not worried about, about Damon Jones starting anymore. Just come out, come out and beat my fireman. I, I, for, I mean, for an inning, for two innings, that guy is going to be disgusting. I, 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 like he is, his slider is disgusting. He has a pretty good feel for a changeup, and his fastball is up to ninety-seven. And his mechanics are kind of Andrew Millery. It's not as lanky, and like his body parts are moving everywhere, but. Just get just get Damon Jones ready for the bullpen. Like get him ready to come in in the fifth, sixth, or seventh inning and just shut lineups down. Um, I don't think he's like his fastball kind of teasers off as he gets deeper into games. Like he pitched two innings in the in the game against the Pirates yesterday, and you already kind of see the fastball kind of losing its losing its uh, giddy up a little bit. Um, but I, I am very, very ready for Damon Jones to come up here. I, I was super, super impressed. So that was really fun to see. And my final bullpen thought is I can already tell that Anthony Swarzak is going to make this team 
and I hate Anthony Swarzak already. He is in the running already for the Chad Qualls Award, which is the big, crappy right-hander who seems to pitch in every game and just no one likes when they enter into a ball game. That's how I feel about Anthony Swarzak. It's got saves, baby. Saves! I am I am so out on that dude. I have no interest in watching him pitch, him pitch from this team. Saves! Saves, no. Jackie! No, I know. Never uh, going to happen. He is 100% going to be in the bullpen to start the season, so... You're right about that. Prepare yourself. Yeah. All right. I'm just I'm just telling you everyone's going to hate him. Like All right. two two months into the season. All right, we're 51 minutes into this podcast. That's we, it. Should we talk about the most important addition the Phillies have made this offseason? Uh, I don't know. Dan Ocoin, baby. Dan Ocoin, Jack. Oh, my guy. Yeah, so I hope uh, I'm saying I, his name right, by the way. I think yeah. it's Ocoin. Yeah, I don't know if I'm saying it right either. All I know is that they brought in another driveline guy. They're starting to poach some driveline pitching guys. Um, but just from everything I've seen on Twitter today, it seemed like you seemed like uh, a guy who was very well regarded within the, within the baseball injury. You was know, with the Rays. was with the Rays. You got to like that. Oh, if you say, if you say guys with the Rays, I'm all in. Yeah. Uh, it's all I need <laughs> to hear. Really? Honestly, yeah. like just tell me they were at the Rays, And I'm like, cool. I'm in. It's my guy. Yeah. Uh, and I heard from a guy in the front office that this automatically. Oh, what was that? Big time. I couldn't hear you. Uh, j- just may have heard from a guy in the front office <laughs> you know? that 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 this automatically makes the Phillies way smarter of a baseball wow. team. So awesome. when you when you hear stuff like that, I I just I can't not be excited for it. So yeah. So uh, you know, we might have a dumb GM, but at least they got some smart guys in the organization. Yeah, I mean, hey, maybe they can help out the GM. You know, I mean. To Macklin tax credit, they did have to build this from the ground up because of what uh, Ruben did before them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, smart hires, driveline guys, raise guys, raise pitching guys, all in. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. What else you got in the note bag, Fritzy? Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Bohm. Um, just, you can, like, just squares up everything. I mean, Alec Baum squares up everything. Like I, he. All right, fine. I'll speechless. Wow, speechless. I'll say it. I'll say it. I don't. Obviously, the glove will never get there, but I think his bat is going to be Rendon level. Oh, um, stop! What are you doing to this kid? What are you doing to this kid? Come everything on, man. he does. Everything he does, Alec, he uh, up friend, the friend of the podcast, Alec Baum, I would like to personally apologize for what Jack Fritz is doing to you right now. <laughs> Don't let it work. Don't let it happen. The Fritz curse will not fall upon you. Go ahead, Jack. All I'm saying is that much like Anthony Rendon, <laughs> he he Jesus. he always he always squares Jesus. with the baseball, and he's in. And he's impossible to get out. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. You had to go uh, straight to Rendon. Listen, the eyes see what the eyes see. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't not let the eyes work. You know. Oh, oh man. Uh, Mickey Moniak <laughs> has has squared up some baseballs, which makes me very excited. He tripled today. Um and he smoked a ball that was right into the stupid. Is he shift. the next Christian Yelich? You want to go there or anything or, or not? No, yet? 
don't know. I don't make bold claims. You know me. And <laughs> oh, you're I, right. You're right for my, you're real right for quick. Real quick, topic. I am, but real quick on bum. I do, I do think that I think he's going to be really, really good. I'm not going to Rendon yet or anything, but like, I feel a, as good about him as a hitting prospect coming up as. I can remember in a long time with the Phillies hitting prospect. I don't know who I feel better about being better. If that makes sense. Um, I don't know who I feel yeah. better about Spencer Howard or Alec Baum. I love both. I think again, you know, I always go hitter. If equal, I always feel better about projecting the hitter, but I, I feel so incredibly confident about both, which is probably should be worse. Dude, Spencer Howard is up to 22 in fan top 100. I know. Um, and, They're both top 30 guys. It's crazy. And let me just say something to these morons that supposedly their job is to scout players. Like, there are not five better hitters. And, I, dude, would these people get over the defense? I get it. It's important. But there is not five better hitting prospects in all of baseball than Alec Bohm. And, like, if I keep seeing Royce Lewis in the top 10 and Alec Bohm in the 30s, I'm going to lose my mind. Um,. And that's all I got to say about that. Stop disrespecting the elite bat that is Alec Baum. And I cannot wait until he gets up here. Also, I would like to officially declare Nick Matten to be our version of Brock Holt. It's It's been a long time coming, but I remember when they drafted him, that was the first thing I said. And it feels like he is turning into our Brock, into our Brock Holt, which I've always wanted a player like Brock Holt. They can kind of play everywhere and be pretty good and, and be a guy that can step in and start if someone gets hurt. Like kind of like a like we get like, you know, seven years of prime Greg Dobbs. Um, yeah, so all I think that's a fair comp. You made you, when you started it made made it seem like, oh, my God, we need a Brock Holt. Um, I, you know, it made it seem like Brock Holt was more meaningful than he is, but yeah, I think it's a, a Greg Stobbs. That's a really good, that's, that's fair. That's good. Uh, my second final thought that is not prospect related is like, I've seen way too much of people saying, oh, the Phillies should just pay the fanatic people, whatever. Uh, be- listen, those fanatic people are clowns. They paid the, the Phillies well, paid Well, that, yeah, in- that. That's the thing is like it, it the the whole narrative turned out to be BS because it it was made out to be like oh it's these starving artists or oh it's these like creators whatever no it's a New York PR firm it's it's such BS like it turns out it's just a a money grab by a New York PR firm and it's BS it's ridiculous so I yeah, am listen, it really is I am all in I would sue them to team the fanatic team or- Phillies. I, I originally was like, oh, it's these artists. Just pay them and be done with it. Turns out that's not what it is. So, so with you on this, Jack. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. I hate the whole, like, everyone being like, oh, they're so cheap. Just pay it. No, that's not what this is. These people are, are being losers. 100%. They're being freaking losers. So, no, Phillies, don't just pay it. And, yes, fork over 24,000 documents into Discovery. 24,000, James. I hope they win their lawsuit. I hope they. I hope, I hope they defeat. Me too. This. Me too. I'm furious. I'm furious. I, yeah, I'm my, really angry about it too. And my final, final thought is that it seems like the baseballs are back to 2018. Hey, that's the word. That's which a word. Is, which is nice. It's gonna be it nice watching nice. watching real to, baseball again. Yeah, I don't. I don't need that. What we saw last season. I'm. I'm good on that. I'm good. Yeah. Very good. Do you have any final thoughts, James, for the people? 
you you just kind of hit most of them. I will say um, that um, I love the Hyops listeners. I'll never lie to them. A um, little disappointed that that my co-host did take some shots at me live on the radio recently. Said mm-hmm. get rid of that guy. In a mm-hmm, segment yeah. they do, I, I mean, you know, you called me out when these things happen. I felt like it was only fair to say, what the hell, man? You know, well, what the hell? Um, so let's take this into our, our real jobs and not the jobs we wish we yes. could do, which is, yes. which is this. This is this every second, all the time. Yes. Is that James and John Ritchie and John Brazier and Mickey Morandini led what was maybe the most pathetic um oh it was easily the most pathetic we just richie and i had nothing to do with it that was the problem yeah but you have to keep that train rolling you got to keep the momentum towards all you guys did would try it was try to make fun of joe during the trial yeah they did a more and dini and brazier blew it there's no question about that it was just truly awful, but I expected you as the producer to, to make sure that we are focusing on the important things, and that is getting Joe to camera to have to wax his legs. And I know. I, I was highly uh, I was highly disappointed in everyone involved. John Ritchie just laughed the whole time. That doesn't bring anything to the table. Um, and I just I thought it was it was it was right to say get rid of that guy. And it's, do you feel it bad not- about it? Do you feel bad about it? No, I don't feel bad about it at all. Wow. I don't feel bad about it at all. And thank you, I, thank you for listening to the last High Hopes podcast ever. This will never happen again. This will never no. happen again. <laughs> also, the people saw me play basketball this week. Um, yeah, wasn't great. Yeah, it was I, for for my physical shape, and uh, I got cups in the seventh grade basketball team. You need to I play thought... in the pal baseball game, Jack. Stick to what you're oh, good at. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I only played in the pal basketball game to get into the pal softball game. There you go. See, that's all that matters. That that's right. really all that matters. Correct. Um, uh, we say it all the time. Seriously, though, like not just to make Jack Jack happy. Please rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends rate and review the podcast. It really does help people find the podcast, especially now that baseball season's getting underway. When people are um, looking for a Phillies podcast, the the more reviews, the more five star reviews, all that stuff that's out there, it does help people find it. So. Um, do us a solid. We love the IOPS listeners. If you love us, do us a solid. Uh, rate and review the podcast. Um, I think that's all I got. You got anything else, Fritzy? Uh, no, that is all I got. And yeah, I mean, spread the word of high hopes. We are we are exactly thirty days from opening day. Oh, I'm so ready. And two pods a week. So. Oh. I mean, yeah. Oh, buddy. Yeah, I'm excited for two pods a week and. And probably more exciting news for our listeners, I got a Yeti mic, and it's on its way. So I oh, can hopefully sound buddy. better. Oh, buddy. Yeah, hopefully I can sound better during home well broadcast. Well done. See, that's how much he loves you. And and next week, I'm going to come to the studio. Uh, so we'll make that happen, and, and I'll do my best to get in as much as possible. I, if only Jack didn't you know, get his big-time job as the afternoon show producer. And, you know, it would have been great. But, you know, well, care too much about, care too much if, about if WIP. You know, it's only a your job, hopes. and I could watch the Phillies in the afternoon the last couple oh, of days this week. But you know. I have the best schedule, so I can't give you crap yes. for that. So, all right, we'll be back next week in studio. I'm committing to it now. So, uh, until then, rate and review the podcast. Hit us up on Twitter. He's Fritz. I'm Seltzer. We'll talk to you later.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.